we never really set out to have this like, you know, take over the world mentality. Like, let's just solve a problem that a whole lot of people have and keep building on it from there. There's no dancing around. There's no political correctness. There's no just like, you know, having to sugarcoat anything. It's just straight to the point. A lot of temptation to just go down various paths, but we'll end up looking like MySpace 2.0 if we do that, right? Nobody wants that. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency eSuite. Now, you know that little link in bio that you see on Instagram profiles? It's pretty nifty, right? Well, today we have the guy who invented it and he's joining us. Not a bad guest, hey? Sometimes I'm pretty proud of myself. Anthony Zagaria is the co-founder and chief commercial officer of the brilliant Australian tech company Linktree. What started as a custom web feature for a band has turned into a $1.3 billion business used by the likes of Selena Gomez, Alicia Keys, Jamie Oliver, and about 24 million other content creators. Today, they have 1.2 billion visits every month and a team of 270 people scattered all over the globe. Not bad for a little custom feature, right? In this chat, We cover how Linktree's content creators and brands utilize Linktree to promote their content across all of their channels. We talk about Linktree celebrity users, how to avoid burnout when building a unicorn, and what happened when Instagram banned them for 20 minutes. So, thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Paclio, here's our conversation with Anthony Zakaria, co-founder of Linktree. Anthony, thank you for joining us on Add to Cart. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. All right. So I am assuming that everyone here who is listening has used Linktree one way or another, but some may not have realized it. How do you describe what Linktree does? So Linktree allows you to house everything in your online ecosystem in one link. So wherever you're growing your audiences or wherever your audience lives to wherever you want to, you want to send them to either purchase or engage with content, Linktree allows you to do that uh, under one link. Essentially, we're the category creator of you know what's now known as Linkin Bio Tools. So we're the first one to create that about six years ago when we're running a digital marketing agency. So we you know realized we had this problem for ourselves with all our clients who are all musicians and record labels at the time, and so we needed to change the Linkin Bio all the time to direct people to new content, to buy new stuff. And it was around the same time the Instagram algorithm had changed from chronological to algorithmic. And so, yeah, we saw this problem that we had for ourselves in our agency and we, we built, built a MVP version of it and, and kind of, you know, went from there, used it for our clients and as a side hustle to the agency for a few years till it, um, you know, started to do its thing. Not a bad side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not bad at all. <laughs> so t- did you ever envision that it would turn into what it has today? No, not when we first started, not that first year or so. Definitely not. It was just very much a, you know, let's, let's solve a problem that we had. And then obviously a lot more people had it themselves and wasn't just musicians. That was the first use case. And it made, made a whole lot of sense because in the music industry, your value chain lives everywhere. Different streaming providers for where music lives, different ticketing providers for where you buy tickets. 
and then artist merch live on another platform and that's just that's just one example and so what we realized pretty quickly after that is that the whole internet is fragmented and everyone has this issue where their content and their audiences live in multiple places and where they're trying to drive their audience to also lives in multiple places and so i think the first user to sign up on their own that wasn't within the sort of musical creative world was like the melbourne city council and that was a, like a one of the early aha moments like oh shit council that's like a you know maybe a little bit of a boring use case but actually it made a whole lot of sense they had all different stuff they would they wanted to get their social audiences to engage with so probably once the first big user to sign up the end of 2016 was alicia keys or her team signed up and so that was like oh wow okay this is yeah it's not just that not just a thing here in australia like it's a it's this has got legs but yeah we never really set out to have this like you know take over the world mentality like let's just solve a problem that a whole lot of people have and keep building on it from there and when you have a user like alicia keys do you do a deal with them or does she just sign up during using the Linktree sign-up form? Quite a lot of big users signed up organically because their teams would see it in use across uh, across socials. And uh, so those first couple of years was, a, was very much about discovery. Like, oh, what the hell is this thing in people's bio links? And so that was her, her digital marketing team that signed up directly and just started using because they needed they needed something for themselves. And so the similar things started happening across different verticals, not just in music. You know, I think like a... Celebrity chefs started like Jamie Oliver's team signed up. You know, we didn't have a direct relationship there. We would, you know, they kind of signed up on their own. So we have a team in place now that works with with curators and celebrities and that kind of thing as well. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of it is really organic because it's just solving a problem. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's so good because the problem that we all kind of saw, but you just came with a solution that was simple but innovative at the same time. Yeah, that's been a that's been the biggest thing, just to maintain the simplicity of it. You know, it's it's a micro landing page with a list of links that direct people to where you want them to go. And often, as a business or a brand or creator, you know, you don't just drive people to one one place. You don't just drive them to your website. Often, you know, especially the certain websites become quite cumbersome and clunky. And you know, if you drive people to landing page, you've got them, you've lost or automatically, right? So, if you want to engage with video content or whatever, yeah, we just sort of solve that problem. Because I could imagine that there's probably been a lot of investors, even a lot of ideas internally, which could overcomplicate the product pretty quickly. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's Even today, we definitely bring back to that. It's one of our core principles of product, but also one of you know team values around pursued deliberate simplicity. And it's a lot of temptation to just go down various paths, but you know, we'll, end up, we'll end up looking like MySpace 2.0 if we do that, <laughs> right? Nobody wants that. <laughs> so it's yeah we might need to be very very careful with it yeah that's cool so obviously you are a tool that is used by creators all around the world you talked about the music community but it goes beyond the music community to anyone creating content and linking to multiple platforms and and multiple versions of content throughout the web where do you see what channels or sites do you see that your creators most commonly link to oh look there's yeah so we've got we've got over 24 million users around the world and we're generating about 1.2 billion visits a month uh, on profiles. And that's like, so you can imagine the clicks that are happening each month onto various profiles. So it's, it's quite varied. It's not just like creators, businesses, brands, but, you know, communities, activists, all sorts using it. And keeps it, there's no one vertical that makes up more than 10% of our user base. And so the distribution of content people link you to is, is pretty broad, but you kind of bucket into a few areas. Other social platforms is a big one. So we're platform agnostic and people use us everywhere. They're, they're generating content, but people 
you know, you can, you've got the social icons at the bottom of profile. So people still wanted to drive people to their TikTok from Instagram or their Twitter from TikTok or LinkedIn or whatever it is. So that's a big one. Obviously, for music artists, the streaming services, there was like 90 million clicks last year alone to streaming providers like Spotify or Apple. But we've got our music link feature now, which embeds it directly into profile. So, so we're reducing that friction. Obviously, any path to monetization. So that's often like some sort of e-commerce platform where, where people are driving transactions. But recently, there's definitely been a big increase in traffic with, you know, going with certain trends. So linking to NFT platforms like OpenSea has been increasing quite a bit. Recently saw a little bit of an uptick in some live shopping platforms, particularly in Southeast Asian markets. And also when it comes to like other social channels, big increase in people linking to Discord servers recently as well. But yeah, it's pretty broad. Ever scrolled through an e-commerce packaging website for fun? Nah, me neither. Until today. Paclio is putting the joy into the packaging game. So let's play a game. I'll tell you the name of the Paclio product and you have to try and guess what kind of product they are. Fairy Floss. Compostable Mailer. Queen Bee. Honeycomb Padded Mailer. Here we go. Gummy Shark. Water Activated Tape. Now, if my jaded self thinks that this packaging is fun, imagine what your customers will think. Paclio is also eco-friendly, Australian-owned and operated, with same-day dispatch and 14-day returns. Now, that's pure joy for everyone. Check out the Paclio range of e-commerce packaging options at paclio.com. That's paclio, P-A-C-K-L-E-O, paclio.com. Do you have to put much censorship or limitation around the types of channels that people can link out to? Yeah, definitely. Especially with like, I mean, we've got a pretty big trust and safety team because, you know, with that many users, we're pretty big on ensuring like there's, there's, you know, no misinformation on the platform, no spam, any of that kind of stuff. So that's pretty tight. We've got pretty tight community guidelines there because we need to, you know, like I said, where there's 1.2 billion people visiting a month, we need to make sure that people are trusting landing on a link tree link and they know what they're going to get. So, but yeah, we have, we have censorship warnings on, on anything that might be slightly adult content related. But we're pretty pretty tight on what those kind of things are. So you know, if you're linking, if creator might be linking to something like a, an OnlyFans, there's censorship warnings on that where you have to before you can click through, you have to pass it. You know, click a click something there, so it doesn't go straight through. Yeah, cool. And do you find that obviously with Instagram, TikTok, trying to keep users within their their walls of their own gardens to keep people scrolling through the content, is it obviously Linktree is playing a bigger and bigger role in helping? creators link those profiles that aren't natively easy to get out of yeah it's it's look i think anything that all platforms are going to are going to want to do that and i think like i said we're 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 platform agnostic so wherever creators or businesses are building audiences where they're using us so we'll sort of drive traffic between the two and and in terms of like all the social platforms are doing various things to either keep people on the platforms, but also help them monetize further as well. You see the um, like creator funds or the integration with payment providers within platforms, direct payments. And, you know, we have payment solutions as well, but in our eyes, anything that gets creators or businesses closer to their customer and, and closer to monetization is better for everybody. So we don't see it as a, as a threat. If anything, it's like, it's actually a, a good thing. There's more places for, creators of businesses to generate revenue, get close to their customers, then great, everyone wins. 
So that's sort of our, our view on it. And, you know, like I said, our traffic's really diversified across all, all social channels, but also in the physical world where, like, we're seeing our QR codes. Every week we see our team sharing something that's in the wild, like we're seeing QR codes in bars and nightclubs, in advertising, in retail. People put us in their email signatures. So it's quite varied. I know that some of our listeners' ears would have pricked up when you um, talked about leading to increased monetization and integrated payment options. What have you seen from an e-commerce perspective, some of your e-commerce brands and partners in how they utilize Linktree in a way to drive traffic and generate that revenue that might have caught you by surprise or that you think is really innovative? I've got a few really interesting use cases. So we've got, you can generate generate revenue directly through your link tree without integrations with PayPal and Square. So it's got a support me or request me link. And so we've got a bunch of creators, you know, generating funds directly through that. But we've also, we also use by a heap of different e-commerce brands as well to put integration with Shopify and Spring. So you can embed your Shopify store or collections directly into your link tree. And so we're seeing, we've seen quite a few different use cases for that. So beyond brands are more than just what they sell, right? Obviously, you want to drive as much revenue as possible, but you're also building a brand and building a customer base. So how you do that through marketing, content marketing and the like, people are really using their link tree to drive that and showcase all the things that they are as a brand beyond just their revenue. So video content, collaborations, one-off pieces of you know, whatever it might be that they're doing. Uh, vinyl Me Please, which is a vinyl subscription service in the US, they've got you know, in on their link tree, they've got like they're using a podcast link, right? So embedded the three podcasts that they've got going on directly to their link tree so people can discover more about that. They've got their Shopify collections in there as well, but they've got like join our club, sign up to our mailing list, get SMS updates, our FAQs, and link to all their other socials as well. So whilst their source of revenue is vinyl subscriptions, they're also showcasing and trying to build a brand alongside that because they don't want just they don't want to lose customers along the way and they want to showcase a little bit more about what they are holistically. So that's just a few of the examples. And, and that makes Linktree a really engaging um, platform as well, not just a thing you visit for a couple of seconds and get somewhere else. Exactly, yeah. You know, we've even seen it like sports teams, right? They've got their merch on there as, as a big thing or ticketing, but they'll use, update their Linktree every week with obviously, you know, new games that are happening, but they might put a game from the weekend as a recap as a YouTube video on their Linktree and put a, a short of that on socials and then drive to their link tree for people to watch the rest of it or link off to YouTube from there if they want to go even deeper. So exactly right. We kind of this we maintain being this platform agnostic place to allow our users to curate and grow their audience even further. Yeah. And from a competitive point of view, because as you mentioned, you're absolutely first on the scene with the link in bio type service. But with that mission of maintaining simplicity, how do you make sure that Linktree maintains a competitive moat around some of the competitors that might be coming along, including some of the, the platforms themselves who think that they can add, add it on as you know a piece of functionality rather than a dedicated product. Yeah, I think that's a, a big thing, right? We've got 1.2 billion visitors a month and a big thing for us is maintaining, building that trust like I touched on before. So we've worked really hard at that, that when you land on a link tree, one, you know what it is. And often we see people talking about click on my link tree and it's not a link tree, it's something else. So the concept of this list of links is a big thing for us in ensuring that people feel safe and trust where they're going to land on the link trees. So that's a, a big thing, the, the brand and brand equity in the in the name. And, you know, very much about empowerment. So we're platform agnostic and we just provide all the best tools and, and integrations that we can to empower creators to grow more, reach more and sell more. And 
we are, that's what we do. We build the best linking buyer product we can as opposed to having it be an add-on somewhere else and potentially something not of a focus. Now, the other thing as well is like maintaining that simplicity, you know, where very key on that. I think a temptation from others out there is to like, well, not as much of this and not as much of that and build a slight iteration of what Linktree does. But ultimately we, we're still growing rapidly and you know, very key for that. Then you're also trying out a whole lot of new features. The roadmap is you know years and years long. We're trying to move as quickly as we can through it. So new tools and integrations and partnerships that continue to to meet our users where they are. So like I said, the Shopify one or our MailChimp one or for musicians, bands in town for them to list you know, their tour dates more easily. We've done a partnership with GoFundMe. So for, for fundraisers, you need to integrate that really easily. So thinking of things like that and moving as quickly as possible to, you know, we're not, we're not going to build the next fundraising platform. GoFundMe have done a really good job of that, integrate with them and build a partnership. And it's this whole piece around empowerment that's really big for us. So it's almost like if you put yourself in as the bridge between platforms that helps people get between everyone kind of wins in that platform ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Have you had, um, we mentioned some of your celebrity users before, have you had any, whether it's Jamie Oliver or Selena Gomez come to you and say, I really want this feature. Like, can you just do this for me? And you've had to kind of have that awkward conversation. You know, folks like those users, it's their teams, their management teams or their digital teams or social teams or whatever that are using it. And for them, it's all very much about, you know, the workflow as well, because they want to optimize their time. And it's, we, you know, we exist as part of their, part of their stack in, in marketing or e-com tools. So it's often things that help improve that for them. But customization is always a big one. You know, how can I get this to look more like X, a bigger thumbnail or a custom font or those kind of things? Other, there's a bunch of features that we've been very deliberate about not putting in just yet because of that stuff I talked about simplicity and also not overcooking the UX to become all things to everyone. If we, if we, you know, <laughs> yeah, we could be very careful there. But there's a, there's, there was a feature that a big music artist wanted one. So with this, this is the same with retail as well, right? When there's like a, a big drop of new merch, you know especially in, in hype commerce, like in shoes or something like that. But, you know, with, or with music, you know, the record goes on sale or, or is released on streaming platforms on a, on a certain day. Usually in Australia, it's a Friday and you want to drive people straight there to, to listen to it. But when tickets go on sale, you want people to go straight to tickets. But often teams don't want to lose the link tree because you might have tickets go on sale in one market, but your social profiles are global. So you don't want to just put your ticketing link for Sydney in there when people in America don't really care about that and want to look at your latest video, right? So they still want to use their link tree, but they want there was this they want to drive people there quickly for like a 24 hour period. So we developed this leap link feature that allows you to bypass a link tree link. You still keep it in the bio, but it just bypasses going to a link tree directly to that source of where the drop happens, be it the new ticket or new purchase or new record or whatever. And we thought, oh, this is a game changer. Everyone's going to want to use this. It's going to be huge. Like, no, didn't really like <laughs> miss. It was, it was a case of like, yes, you should listen to your customers all the time and bring, but it's also it was a good, it still, it still gets used. Don't get me wrong. It's still, a, you know, we still use it and people use it, but it's not the thought of like the value of it outweighed like the actual use. And it's like a, we're doing something that hasn't been done before. Like Linktree, it's, we created it six years ago, but, but this new world and we're, we're a website replacement for many, right? And so it's this balance of, listening to the user's requests and feature requests and building that into the roadmap that also makes sense with the vision and making sure we always continue to innovate as well at the same time. And so often that's trying things that, that we think will work and testing them out 
as well and trying to balance that out. It's always a, a game of cat and mouse each quarter with what goes on the product roadmap. I could imagine there'd be some fun conversations to be had. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about a product roadmap and you are reliant on that ecosystem and partners, especially people like Instagram, if they're constantly changing the rules and we've seen Instagram change how links are displayed and where you can add them to stories and all that sort of stuff, how do you keep up with that game? To be honest, we don't really get too rattled by it because ultimately, you know, platforms are going to platform, right? They're going to change how they work. They want to get, they want to test things in different markets. They ultimately want to continue to get, build engagement on their platform with, with users and keep them on there longer and find new ways, especially for creators, either help them monetize or, you know, help advertisers get what advertisers want. So for us, it's just continuing to like, we know we're going to continue to be platform agnostic and exist wherever users are building their audiences. And that's the main thing for us is continue just to like find ways to empower people even further, no matter where they're driving people from. You know, if we are driving more people from Pinterest, we're going to continue to focus on that kind of audience when need be. But our traffic comes from, like I said before, all the social platforms, biggest ones being TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And But, you know, LinkedIn is a, is a rising one too now that you can put LinkedIn bio there. And we also have a lot of people use, a lot of people use Linktree as well as a, as a form of digital identity, right? And so, yes, we're the connective tissue across social, but we're seeing a big use case for the curator, right? So I might have a, a job, I work in marketing, but I'm really, I love going to gigs and I love reading books. I love listening to podcasts and kind of dabble a little bit on the side, but I'm just going to put my link tree in my email signature and in my Twitter handle because I want people to just go to my LinkedIn from there, listen to the playlist I'm listening to, my podcast, book recommendation, and maybe I do a bit of, maybe I, maybe I get some affiliate revenue from the books I recommend or whatever. So like there's, there's this really interesting use case there. So whatever the platforms do doesn't, you know, we don't really pay too much attention in terms of from that front because it's just really focused on the user. Yeah, I can definitely see the, when you start explaining it like that, I go, oh yeah, I kind of see where the fear around becoming a MySpace comes from. Yeah, yeah. From an affiliate perspective, do you do any actual uh, like deep partnerships with affiliate companies, especially from a retail or an e-commerce perspective? It's on the roadmap. We're only at the moment we're only doing something with Apple, so it's a, and we can split that revenue with our creators for music and podcasts. But there's a there's a fair bit coming down the line to you know build more affiliate revenue, and that being very much a thing for our for our users as well because that's how they're generating revenue. That makes sense. And, you know, I really love you talked about empowering your creators and collaborators and you recently did a creator report, which I thought was fascinating. It's a really good read and we'll put a link to it in the show notes there. But one of the quotes out of it that I thought was was most interesting was that you said, well, the team said, working with brands is neither a reliable nor a consistent stream of revenue for most creators. And that really stood out to me. Do you think creators are getting value out of brand partnerships in 2022? Yes and no, probably depends on the type of brand and partnership, right? Like, and what, and what the creator might think of as, as what's valuable to them. If it's purely revenue, they don't care what they're spruiking, maybe. But, you know, I think creators are putting more and more effort into their brands and, you know, they don't want to just be treated like digital billboards. And as soon as brands realize that, the, the better. And it's really about building that, that longevity and long lasting relationship. So the ones that do work, and I've noticed this from, my agency days when we would work with with influencers and creators, those ones that are a little more long-lasting and you build that affinity longer term with, between a brand and a creator. 
as opposed to just being very transactional and one-off. It's very obvious. So if it's when it's that one-off campaign moment, you know, you, as a marketer, you, you kind of want that because you want reach um, and you want to get into that alignment, but there's always can go, can go either way. You know, it's not always sustainable. I think that's where a lot of it is coming from. And I think, with the rise of creators and also, yes, there's a rise in brand money being poured in, into the, that market, but it's definitely not sustainable. And that's why in that report, there's always there's other things too around other ways creators are making money and a, and a big part is through merch. They're, they're building their own products and selling those because they know if they, they're building an audience, they can monetize them further beyond just you know hoping they're going to get some brand money coming as well. Yeah, and I think there's something too about taking those online communities and turn them into physical products as well that other people who are viewing and using the content can connect with offline. Exactly. Yeah. It's the biggest thing we see in the report of, of, of what creators are doing to monetize. Yeah. So fast forward, like where we are today, we talked about agency and incredible growth, uh, valuation of $1.3 billion. I might be off now, probably we'll, we'll leave it at that based on what, I, what I've researched. Was there any particular decision or hack for lack of a better word that you look back on and go this was our moment where we got ahead of the game and we secured a huge audience and become came the leaders in that LinkedIn bio market i don't think there's any one moment it's probably a few things along the way that that did that a combination of obviously being first to market really focused on simplicity and solving a problem and just really being dedicated to that i think that was a a, a big thing as well because other people we have, you know, most of our growth is, is, you know, most of the flywheel is because people are to see people using Linktree, right? And it's a very sort of viral by nature. So that was a big focus. It wasn't like one moment of like, oh, we did this one thing and all of a sudden it, it grew. Obviously, we built a really great team. And like I said earlier, building trust in the brand and making sure that that was reliable and that this building this sort of sustainable growth path. A few things along the way where, you know, yes, there was like one moment we had an Instagram band for about 20 minutes. And then about 20,000 users messaged them, you know, straight away and they reinstated it because it was like, you know, never let us have anything fun, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and so uh, it was a mistake, a mistake banning on the URL because they thought there was some spam link or something. And so like, there's a few like, you know, oh shit moments along the way as well, where getting banned in some countries for something and then getting reinstated. And so, and that's always, you know, you still keep an eye on that sort of stuff. But yeah, there wasn't, I don't think it was like one moment. It's like, it's just really that continued focus on, on solving problems and listening to users building that in, but also having a bit of a continued vision. And I think, you know, we obviously like benefited from the tailwinds of the big digital transformation that happened through COVID as well. So a lot of growth through the last few years where we already had a big growth trajectory, we're already hiring a, a, you know, a big team and building that team even further. But there's definitely a few moments along the way that COVID being one of them and what else. Often when there's like times of, of crisis, which is, is often like, it's really, it's not a, don't want to celebrate this, but things like Black Lives Matter or even with Ukraine-Russia situation where people want to share resources and share something real very quickly and in free. And so it was a way through Black Lives Matter, linkages are being created all over the place as a way to share legitimate resources and also for people to educate themselves. So here's how you can learn about what's going on. Here's how you can help. Here's how you can join a protest. Here's how you can donate and um, in, in similar situation with Ukraine and Russia. So we love the fact that we can be a tool that provides that, but it's not, you know, it's not something you want to like celebrate to the world because it's their horrible situations.
Fashion retailer Inku has been introducing customers to new international brands for nearly 20 years. With 10 retail stores, e-commerce has been a support player, but in the last year, it got really serious. They've upgraded from a custom site to Shopify and now Shopify Plus. Inku sales have grown nearly 300% year on year. Shopify Plus features such as Launchpad for automation, Flow to manage nearly 2,000 SKUs, scripts for customization, and Shopify Plus's merchant growth model have all had a compounding effect. Not only are sales up 300% year-on-year, conversion rates are up 80%, average session engagement up 91%, and bounce rate down 40%. Inku? More like in whoa. To read more of Inku's story and see other case studies, visit the customer sections on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. It's just an amazing journey like to hear that you had this idea for the music community as part of the digital audience and, and now it's grown into a billion-dollar unicorn, globally the name for that service. What have you learned along the way about yourself? Like, Has there any been any moments where you've gone, I've gone from managing a digital agency, which has been great, but now I'm in a totally different world here of a global company, billion-dollar, huge team, investors, all that has it been a, a realization about yourself along the way? I think definitely like a level of resilience that I didn't realize <laughs> I had. <laughs> but that's I thought like, yeah, I used to work pretty hard building the agency and and then COVID hit within four or five months of lockdown, my wife and I had twins who were born premature. We're locked down working from home with twins without family. And then well, you know, so like and at the same time raised our first round. Definitely level of like you can operate on very little sleep and, you know, there's a, yeah. you know, you can untapped level of adrenaline there, but it's also, it does hit you eventually. And I think that's a, a big thing around this. There's, there's no shortage of info out there and talk about, you know, mental health and burnout, particularly through COVID and stuff. So I think recognizing that I just, you know, pre kids and pre pandemic, I'd be like, yeah, I can, I've got heaps of stamina. I can all, you know, just do what I need to do to work. And it wasn't about celebrating this hustle culture, which is like, I just love what I do. And I just want to do the, build the best team, build the best agency, build the best product. But it does come with like, I think just that, yeah. To knowing when to not do that and focus on myself took a while to get there. Probably like a few issues of back pain and, you know, insomnia and that kind of thing. Like, all right, I got to focus on me a little bit and have a bit of balance. So that realization came through, no matter how much people would tell you about, got to have balance in your life. Like, yeah, 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 I've got it. Like, you don't have it when you, that's all you do is work. I think the other piece around like with building a team is we've been able to do this really well is growing that self-awareness around your blind spots. Speaking of a small business, when we had an agency and we had, you know, 30, 40 people at our agency at the time, you're still doing a bit of everything, but at Linktree's nearly 270 people now and we've got a team around the world and a really great leadership team. It's like you can't do everything. It's not sustainable. It's not productive for a business that's scaling like Linktree. So building the best team around you to help complement strengths and weaknesses and helping assemble that team. And that's a, is, you know, you like to think you've, you like to think you know what your weaknesses are, but when you really lean into a bit of discovery around that and get really aware, like, oh yeah, I'm not great at that. I need to work on it, but I'm never going to be the best at it. There's other people that are the best at it. So let's bring them into the team. Is there anything that you hang on to that you go, I'm still the best person to make decisions on this? <laughs> it's always a battle between myself 
Alex, my brother, and Nikki, the three of us are co-founders. And I think we're always trying to get each other to let go of stuff and be like, stop getting in the weeds on this, stop getting in the weeds on that. We just can't help ourselves when it's, it's probably more on like marketing or creative things. That's the background we came from. And that's where we're kind of like, let's just leave it to the team. And we, we try and not get too involved anymore, but sometimes can't help ourselves. And then we get told off. (laughs) (laughs) How do you go being in a business where you co-founded with your brother? It's actually fine. I think it's actually even better now with Linktree because the team is so big. We're not in each other's hair every day like we were, you know, five, six years ago at the agency. But even then, we grew up in around family business with our parents. I think they forced us to be friends growing up. It was like big Italian family. It was like family things all the time. It was like, you know. So when, when we started managing bands together and then running the agency, it was like a natural alignment where we just knew how to riff on each other. We could tell each other how it is, tell each other to get effed, but then literally 10 minutes later, walk into a meeting and be fine, like be just seamless. And then I think if anything, it's like actually, if you can have that relationship, it's actually, it's actually really efficient, like ultimate form of psychological safety. And Nikki, our other co-founder, we, you know, is an old friend and the three of us lived together when we we're running the agency and building Linktree on the side. And it was like this definitely unhealthy looking back on it, but it was 24-7, the agency Linktree, you know, and... I don't think there was never any all-out brawl argument. It was just like a little bit of heated debate about something because it's so passionate. And then, cool, what do you want for dinner? All right, get us some tacos. All right, sweet. Cool, all right, you do that thing, you do that thing. See you later on. And just seamless. So I think it's, yeah, some people say, you know, couldn't deal with working with my brother or sister or family. And, you know, yeah, in some ways you piss each other off, but it's actually good because we know our pressure points and our weaknesses and, you know, it's actually more productive in the end. Yeah, we get a lot of that. We had a few founders in here with brother sister founders and very similar responses saying that they were scared to go into the, into the partnership together, but it's actually really good now because they they can have the honest conversations that they might not be able to have with someone who's they trust but isn't as close with because they might take yeah. it the wrong way. There's no dancing around, there's no political correctness, there's no just like, you know, having to sugarcoat anything. It's just straight to the point and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so with your team now being out, was it 270, the 270 yep. team members? What have you put in place then to help empower them and, and keep your team focused? I I've did a little bit of reading and saw that, you know, you have a big focus on employee happiness at Linktree. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about what you put in place there. Yeah. It's been, it's always been a big focus for us. It's just like building a great culture. I feel like if you can, you know, build a business and a team where people want to work for you and with you, you know, on both sides from a supplier side as well. Like it's it just, it just breeds, it just breeds greatness. You, you just feel good about the work you're doing and kind of want to have it happen from both sides and great culture also builds a great brand and so forth. And so we've always built this, this remote, it's always been remote first. So all the tools set up from the beginning, it was never this like having to shift to remote. Yes, we had an office early days, but you know, all our tools are always remote. And so that's the first thing is that flexibility um, for people around the world and even in Australia. So things like a work from home allowance uh, and people around the world can go into co-working spaces if they're not in a city where we do have an office, which is just Melbourne and Sydney at the moment. But our benefits program, we launched about six months ago now, which is we figured that that it's all well and good to have a benefits program where you might supply things like a gym membership or whatever. But you know, not everyone cares about that. You want to service the, and think about the whole individual. And for some people, they really want to focus on growth and learning, whereas others really want to focus on, on you know, wellness. I and mean, other people have other desires they want to get out of things. So rather than just a blanket approach to benefits, we give everyone $6,000 Australian a year to go towards the things that, that they care about. It's going to help them build the best selves for themselves. So 
that could be things like people want to um, do short courses and upskilling, and that's really important to them. They do that. But other people like myself who've got a you know, young family, but they might go towards more things to do with um, help at home or other personal wellness and that kind of stuff. So it might be fitness subscriptions or personal training or you know, buying a bike with part of it, right? Because I want to, that's the only way I'm going to get some fitness done. So basically finding ways that, that helping power people to be their best selves as opposed to just blanket approach to things. We've got other features as well. That program is that everyone gets 20 hours of volunteer leave, big focus on social good. And also our parental leave policy is, is one of the best in class. We're really proud of it's 18 weeks parental leave for both caregivers, no matter, no matter where you are in the journey and a, a really great return to work focus as well for, for returning parents. So yeah, a few things like that, that make people feel really welcome. And you know, that there's, there's more to just building link trees or they're building themselves and their own careers. Yeah, that's brilliant. And they can obviously share in the success and the, and the growth stories because they're feeling the love from it. Now, we spoke about balance before, but you've recently launched a new venture in side stage ventures. What inspired that? Was that your desire to get back into the music world? There was a few things. So, yeah, it's, it's side stage is an is a investment syndicate, myself, Alex, a few other partners, and all of us are founders in that there's, there's five or six of us. And um, it started when uh, Jadon, who's one of the other partners, is a good friend of mine from school, and he's a, an artist manager in Australia, runs a really fantastic independent music business called Unified. He manages artists like Vance Joy and Tash Sultana and um, has you know a fantastic business. And the three of us <clears throat> were doing some angel investing in music tech products, and just we, we just founders that we believed in and products were really cool. We thought we're in the industry, we're founders, we're involved in digital and tech, we feel like we can help them out. And that's what started from there. And then it, it kept other opportunities were coming to us being in the world that we were in. And we were also able to connect investment opportunities to people in our network in the entertainment space or other, other founders that also um, were looking to do some investing. In. And, and as a startup, you don't want to have, you know, hundreds of people on your cap table. And also some of the people we're working with didn't have hundreds of millions to invest. And it made sense to, to do these investments as a syndicate and bring deals to each other. And then, and, it's just like this really organic approach. It wasn't, you know, I think similar. It wasn't this like, let's take over the world with a, a venture capital firm. It was a genuine place of like founders helping founders and building that connection and community around that. And so, yeah, we recently launched Side Stage Ventures uh, about a few weeks ago and uh, I've made some really great investments. Uh, Mr. Yum, QR, uh, QR code ordering systems, one of our investments and Heaps Normal, the uh, non-alcoholic beer brand. So, yeah, it's really about this just founders helping founders, bringing great people together to, to invest and help each other out and ultimately, you know, build more great brands. That's so cool. I just love those couple of stories that you've given around how you've created these ventures in that. It hasn't been this big pre-planned, get a big consultancy in, map the market, all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, nah, we'll see if this works. We'll give it a go because we're genuinely interested. Yeah, very much. So it comes from, ultimately comes from our, from our passions and, and the world that we operate in. And, and yes, there's an opportunity in it, ultimately and and but it's really it's curiosity and you know comes from our passion point so i think it's enough work on the go for now <laughs> and does side stage give you an excuse to go out and see gigs and like escape the family for a little while is that your excuse now that gigs are back on yeah but the problem is no one's been out in two years and i've had kids since and having one drink past 10 p.m now i'm done so <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> You've come on the other side, a different person. The music community goes, who is this guy? Yeah, basically. No one wants to invite me anymore. No fun. 
<laughs> Anthony, we've got to wrap up. Thank you so much for your time. Before we do, can you share what's next for yourself and the team at Linktree? Yeah, we've got got a, um, like I said before, the roadmap is miles long, but we've got a heap of really cool stuff coming. We're, we've got a rebrand coming out in a few weeks, which uh bloody excited for. It's been about a year in the making and it's, I can't wait for everyone to see it. It's, it's, so when we created the business and the brand, it was, hasn't, it was, it served, served us well and it hasn't evolved a whole lot, like a few iterations on it, but we've stretched it as far as we can. And so now we've, we've this really great, bold, bright, you know, consumer brand, visual identity and tone of voice. that's going to, you know, really put us on the map as to the brand, the global brand that we are. Right. And that's um, everything from, you know, logo and all that kind of stuff changing ever so slightly so that's really exciting we've got a whole bunch more partnerships and integrations coming out soon you know we announced you know in the, in the coming months which you'll see which again talking to that empowerment piece just helping our creators really go further and, and grow more with what we're building so yeah we'll, we'll keep you posted brilliant and um plug time so if, if people have got retailers or we've got content creators listening to this and go, I've really got to get on top of my Linktree game and, and get that up to speed. What's the best way for them to get started? Just go to Linktree, sign up, takes under a minute to sign up and it's free and you can go from there. All the, all the how-tos and tips are embedded, but ultimately just, just get started, create a list of links, check in your bios and you'll see how it works. Beautiful. Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your story and telling us more about Linktree. It is one of the best Australian startups going around um, and we'd love seeing you guys continue to kick goals. So thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. What a bloody wild ride so far. It's amazing to see a simple idea go from a client request to a billion-dollar business and all from our own backyard, which is great. If only all client requests were so lucrative. Now, If you're after that creator report, head on over to linktree forward slash creator report. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash creator report. Link in bio, no, link in show notes. If you're looking for some research to help you develop deeper relationships with your content partners, this is a brilliant place to start. Now, we covered a lot of ground in this chat, but here are three tips that stayed with me. Number one, the power of simplicity. Just like art in galleries, I've heard a fair share of people looking at Linktree and saying, I could have built that. But it's not the building. It's the serving of its customers that comes through simplicity. As Anthony said, no one wants to be the next MySpace 2.0, right? Sometimes discipline and refinement is actually more difficult than innovation and progress. Number two, maximizing the single link. As Eminem would say, you get one shot, one opportunity to click that link. You've got to make the most of it. Anthony shared how brands and content creators were sharing links on Linktree, but also embedding videos, signing up for emails, selling merch, and raising money for partners. Are you making the most of that one-click opportunity? And the third one I had was, you can be happy and still burn out. I think we definitely got that Anthony wasn't those typical hustle bro types. But that doesn't mean he didn't suffer from burnout. You can also get burnout if you love what you do. Long hours, back pain, insomnia. That was what Anthony was feeling. Does it sound familiar? It is so important to schedule regular breaks and relaxation, even if you're on a roll and loving what you're doing. To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday, we will send Monday's episode summary links 
and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep those customers adding to cart.